Today we come to Acts chapter 22. Um, this chapter continues the story of Paul's travail in Jerusalem, which began in the previous chapter. Recall that uh, from yesterday that the Roman soldiers had, due to a case of mistaken identity, uh, gotten Paul safely out of the mob's hands, and now we read the continuation of what happened in that instance. So let's take a uh, look at a couple of noteworthy items in it. Let's think first about blind zeal. Um, as Paul began his Remember, he had been delivered from the mob, and now he addresses that mob. And in, in, in that defense to the mob uh, that was earlier trying to kill him, he first reminded them that he was a Jew like them, verse 1, and then he began to rattle off his theological and religious uh, pedigree for them, verses 2 through 5, before uh, describing his conversion experience and commission in verses 6 through 21. But during his description of his religious life in Judaism, before his conversion to Christianity, Paul mentioned uh, in verse 3 that he was uh, previously uh, zealous for God as all of you are this day. And it was in his zeal for God uh, that Paul said he, in verse 4, persecuted this way, capital W, talking to Christians, to the death. How does zeal for God look like this? Uh, how is it genuinely zeal for God that causes someone to uh, mercilessly pursue God's people? Well, maybe we are given a clue in Paul's letter to the Romans. In Romans 10, Paul laments um, the Jews' in mass rejection of Jesus Christ and declares that one of the deepest desires of his heart is that they would turn to Christ and be saved. Uh, and then in verse 2 of Romans 10, he makes this statement about his unbelieving kinsmen. He says, I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. So there he not only affirms, once again, their zeal for God, but also gives a description, albeit a negative description, of that zeal, that it is not according to knowledge. It was a zeal for God that does not accord with line up with is not consistent with real and true knowledge of God one of the things that Paul points out in his defense uh, in Acts 22 is that zeal for God that is not formed and driven by true knowledge of God will inevitably produce beliefs and actions that are actually opposed to God Jesus had famously declared I am the way the truth and the life and Paul in supposed zeal for God, opposed and persecuted this way, Jesus, to the death, Jesus and his people. It was this same blind and ignorant zeal for God that was motivating the Jewish mob to murder Paul for now following the same way that he once persecuted. When zeal is not according to clear knowledge of God and his word, we oppose God instead of honor him. And while the the example in this chapter is extreme insofar as their blind and ignorant zeal was leading them actually to commit murder. And certainly this kind of thing is still all too prevalent in the world at large today. Blind zeal does not always in every case produce opposition to God in such extremes. In fact, it can cause us to oppose God in a multitude of ways, ways that we may not even realize. This is another reason why it is so, so very important to read study think about 
and even commit to memory God's word in scripture. We come to a knowledge of, the, uh, of, of, of God as he really is through our knowledge of scripture where he has told us who he is and what he requires of us. So don't neglect the Bible, the word of God, lest in the end we are found to have been opposing God without even realizing it. Well, let's think finally for just a second about why Paul, who is neither one of the original 12, nor is he the one who was chosen to replace Judas in chapter 1, why, even though that's true of him, why is he also considered an apostle? Well, uh, in this chapter we see again uh, how Paul came to have the title and station of apostle. Uh, some denominations uh, even today believe that certain people can attain to the status of apostle, but that notion in my estimation is foreign to the Bible. In, in scripture, an apostle is, and, and if you, if you, some, some would say it still, still um, exists, but it, it, there's a, it's a radical reductionistic way of defining apostle because in scripture, an apostle was one who had seen the Lord personally and had received specific instruction and commission from him. This was certainly true of the original 12. And even when they came to replace Judas, they were intentionally careful to select one, according to Acts 121, one who had accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus was in and out among us. And we're reminded again in our chapter today that Paul, in some sense, also came to fit that description. Notice that in Paul's testimony, he told them uh, that Ananias had been sent from God to tell him in Acts 22, 14, that the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see his righteous one, and to hear a voice from his mouth. After seeing the Lord in a, in a blinding light on the road to Damascus, he not only heard the voice of the Lord, but received a commission from him, go for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. This is the description of one who is an apostle. They served a very foundational purpose in the establishment of the church, and the Spirit-inspired writing of the New Testament. Paul was little, legitimately an apostle, unlike anyone who claims that title today. And those are some brief thoughts from Acts chapter 22.